0: Hello and welcome to episode 4 of the Highside News podcast. I'm your host Luke Newman and once again I'm joined by Short Shift News's owner and author Dawn Hammersley. How are you doing today Dawn?
1: Fine, thank you Luke.
0: I'm also joined by MotoGP eSports rider and Short Shift News writer Jack Hammersley. How are you doing today Jack? I'm good, thank you. Good. We had a full weekend of testing across both MotoGP and BSB this weekend. Uh, the Grand Prix boys were at Portimao for their final test before the start of the MotoGP season and the BSB riders had their first official test of the season out in Navarra. And currently, while we're speaking, the Moto2 boys are out on track at Jerez for some testing. We're currently just over a week away from the start of the MotoGP season. Jack, are you excited to see MotoGP return?
2: Yeah, you know, it's the premier sport in in motorcycle racing, so... Sort of got to be excited for it and seeing how, you know, we've still got sort of gaps where the top eighteen are you know, within one second. You know, it's exciting stuff.
0: Yeah, it is. Dawn, we were we were just saying before we started recording that it doesn't feel that long ago that Valencia, uh, the final race of twenty twenty two happened. Are you looking forward to to seeing the GP boys back in action so soon?
1: Oh yes, definitely. It just seems like it was probably last month. I just really can't believe how quick it's come round.
0: I'm sure to some people it might have felt like ages, but yeah. <laughs> I know I agree that it, it, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago that uh, we were seeing the, the title decided at Valencia and Peco celebrations. And speaking of Peco and jumping straight into the Porto Mal test, it looks like potentially he could be on for another good season for his standards because... Over in Portimao, Pecco Bagnaia topped day two and also day one of testing. So it looks like maybe Jack, the Ducati boys, are the favourites in MotoGP as well as World Superbikes.
2: Yeah, uh, the Ducati's clearly the best bike. From what you know, obviously, you can't take everything from testing, but when you got seven Ducatis in the top eight, it's so hard not to argue that. But uh, <laughs> also, Peko has said that the developments they've made for the bike have really. aided aided him in his riding style so that's even more dangerous and yeah I think obviously the thing Peko I think has to worry about is just possible DNFs otherwise more or less he's gonna be on the podium every single weekend unless there's some problems they face in terms of setup or weather or whatever yeah I'm I'm glad you brought up
0: his DNFs there because that was something I wanted to touch upon as well uh, Dawn, I'll go to you first with us. Do you think maybe now that Peko has that MotoGP title in his back pocket that maybe there'll be more confidence this year going into it and he won't uh, crash out of such good positions like he did last year in France and Germany, for example?
1: Yes, definitely. He'll go into this season, I think, fully confident having the championship behind him because that's always what he, he strive to get. And we don't really know yet who his main rival's going to be this year. Last year's Quattararo, but, you know, looking it, it could be his teammate this year, Bastianini's not done too bad, finishing sixth. So I think the number one plate's brought him some luck <laughs> so far, anyway.
0: Yeah, Jack, I'll ask you the same thing. And I'm glad, Dawn, you mentioned the number one plate as well. As well, the thing of championship, maybe more confidence, but the number one plate, I know, I think you said before you wouldn't run it if you were in that, that scenario. So. What do you think about uh, Pecco's confidence levels and maybe the, the superstition of the number one plate going into this year?
2: Yeah, I mean, he'll have more self-belief and etc. because he's won the championship. It's weight off his shoulders. like, well, I've won it before. I can win it again. There's no problem. Mm-hmm. And running the number one plate, I think psychologically, that maybe helps us say, I am the number one. I am the best. Um, in terms of like superstition in MotoGP he's never won he's never won a back-to-back championship so in that sense i think he's just got to not be like his um, mentor rossi who was extremely superstitious and all these kind of things and just let the season play, play out as it does and should he ride like he did uh, for uh, 75% of last season there's no reason why he shouldn't be champion at the end of the of the year
0: yeah uh, Dawn, you mentioned his teammate, and
2: I've been I've been keeping an eye on Bastianini because
0: I do think he's going to be the threat to Bagliari taking back to back MotoGP championships. And I'm looking here, and he's sixth in the uh, in the overall standings from uh, the Portimao test when you look at combined times. Uh, Dawn, do you reckon Bastianini's sort of going to integrate well into the factory team or? maybe the pressure of being a factory rider might get to him when the season actually starts and it comes to lights out at Portimao.
1: No, I think he'll settle into it very well. He's a very confident rider. And I don't always believe the hype that him and Pecco don't get on. I think that's more the media thing. I think he'll fit straight in and I think he'll do well.
0: Jack, what are your thoughts on the uh, Pecco and Bastianini uh, rivalry as such? Do you think it is maybe... People like us, maybe, in the media that are uh, trying to stir up a little bit of drama because we, uh, we all miss the like Lorenzo Rossi days.
2: Yeah, probably, I mean, it's two Italians in the factory Italian team. So, Natchez just going to be a, a bit of arabias, as you could call it. But um, I think they'll get on. You know, obviously, they don't have to be friends, but they'll, they'll get on to do the job. Because at the end of the day, they've got to finish one, two in the Championship. With Bastianini, the only thing he needs, I think, to sort out is his consistency in terms of weekend by weekend because he, most of the time last season, you go from winning a race and then he won't even be in the top 10. So he's just got to iron out those inconsistencies and be in the top five every single weekend if possible. So I think we'll we'll know um, by about round six where Bastianini's consistency lies, but... He, if it'd be a factory rider, you expect him to be up there every single weekend, no problem.
0: Yeah, another thing with Bastianini that I actually just thought of, because I forgot they even existed for this year, um, sprint races. I Bastianini tends to come on better uh, as the race goes on. He seems to be able to save tyres better. He was very good at that at Grissini. Uh Sprint races dawn, something that could maybe hinder Bastianini's performance this year?
1: Yes, I think so. It'll suit some more riders, obviously. Sort of like, I think Zarko, he might do well in the sprint races. And Martin, at the beginning of the race, they're always up there. But I'm really excited for these sprint races.
0: Yeah, Jack, what's, what's your opinion on the sprint races? Because I know online there's been a lot of debate about whether people like the sprint races, whether they don't, whether they just want classic Grand Prix style. What, what are your
2: thoughts? Um, I think in terms of tradition, it's a bit... Trying to think of the word right way, but it's not normal, let's say. But um, and the other thing I don't like about the sprint races is the fact they don't do anything apart from give championship points. It's, it's not like world where it will affect the grid for the next race. It's just a race effectively, and there's no consequence of how good or bad you do, apart from losing points. But but often I'm now excited because you know you see the racing in super bikes, and it's like, well, the ten lap chaos and that thing imagine that in GP when you've got like basically a whole grid under a second but uh, I've been looking as well at some of the guy two, the you know Quaora and bagnaya their sprint simulations and it's fair to say Pecco's got a very very strong uh, sprint race pace maybe Fabio's got a smaller consistency window but Pecco's pure pace at the start of, start of the of the run is extremely scary constant low to mid 38s and then as it tails off to a 39 but yeah it's just interesting to see that now they are doing sprint sims you can actually see them doing 10 lap sprint runs and sort of get a bit better, better gauge of how people might fare yeah last year she brought up the world superbike thing uh do you think
0: they should have almost copied world superbikes and done sprint races will affect the grid or not because qualifying i'm not trying to think when qualifying will happen for for the weekend saturday, it's qualifying morning now. Morning. saturday morning qualifying now um would that be too quick to to change the grid around where it's on the same day as the sprint races or do you think maybe they should have gone the world superbike route
2: i reckon the world route would have been a probably a better idea for me because it's sort of like it say someone messes up in qualifying gives them a chance to try and salvage something when they go, they go race and they can salvage their weekend out bit whereas because there isn't anything added to it it's sort of like it's good for getting data and understanding how strong people can be but it's not you don't get re- you don't get such a reward you just win and there's no like oh i can be on pole as well it's just i went but i've got to do all the work again from wherever i start from so uh, I'd prefer it if it was like Worlds, where you do have a bit more on the line, but it's how it is, and uh, it's, just, it's just racing at the end of the day, so you've got to be happy with it.
0: Yeah, Dawn, uh, you said you were looking forward to these sprint races. Just looking now, and the sprint race points will be half points as such, with 12 points going to the winner, and then going down for 9, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, and 1 for the remaining eight riders, so of the top nine scoring points, like in World Superbikes. Uh, do you think, like Jack said, that maybe they should have copied World Superbike style, or do you think it's better that MotoGP are trying to do their own thing to try and get the fans back as such? Because MotoGP, it's no secret that it has been uh, dropping off in the last couple of years with viewer retention.
1: Yeah, I think uh, to keep it a little bit slightly different, and then, you know, you've got your MotoGP, and then something different for world. So, yeah, to keep it different. And it, to me, it's all, the sprint race might just be like a little... They might treat it as a setup, like a bit like Jack said, and a little warm-up, really, for the main race and just have to hope nobody crashes or gets any injuries, really. That was the only thing I was thinking.
0: Yeah, the injuries was something that just uh, came to my mind as well, especially with uh, the things like concussion, which is... Uh, yeah, what's your, you're, out, did you? you're
1: out for the weekend then, aren't you?
0: yeah which is what saw Digi out for the uh Digi Antonio out for the final day of testing at uh, portimao uh after a small tangent there on uh, sprint races let's go back to the testing uh we'll stay with a Giacati rider one i definitely wanted to bring up because he's almost picking up where bastianini left at the grassini squad I'd, I, I don't know if you guys would agree with uh, alex marquez up in seventh place after the two days of testing uh jack what what are your thoughts on Alex Marquez's move from Honda to Ducati because it seems to be working from what testing shown.
2: Yeah, I think it's something he desperately needed because he needed three years at Honda he didn't really improve at all apart from his two podiums in his debut year I think he just needed something to prove to everyone that he deserved to be in that paddock, he deserves to be on that grid and what he's showing, there's no reason why he can't get podiums this season if uh, all the stars align maybe even a victory if uh, Everything goes that well, but it's he's looking good. The Ducati, truly, just suits every single rider that steps that throws a leg over it. So, yeah, he could be dark horse for top independent, maybe top five in the championship if uh, if he really outperforms his expectations. Well, I, I don't. I'm not expecting to get top five, but um, it could happen. That
0: was a. Uh... One thing that I was also thinking uh, just before we started here, uh, Alex Marquez, Dawn, could he win a race? I know we've agreed we won't do our predictions until next week's podcast, but do we seriously believe there is, he's had podiums before on Honda, uh, but do we think maybe this is the year that Alex Marquez will win a MotoGP race?
1: Yes, I, I think he possibly could because Bastionini did, and I think he's surrounded by a really good team there that are just going to bring him on. And if he's confident, then, yeah, I think anything's possible.
0: Jack, you sort of touched upon it a bit with the top five. Can Alex Marquez win a race? Do you seriously believe there is a chance?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's under the catty, you know, and the eight of them could win. Um, <laughs> I mean, he is good in the wet as well, and the catty's good in the wet. So there's no reason why not. I think it's going to be a hard job to win, but like I said, if the stars align, sure. But I think there's more. I think out of all you know, all of the Ducatis, I'd rank him probably sixth most likely to win a race out of them.
0: Okay, yeah, we'll stay with the Ducati theme because there are the, uh, another two that I do want to talk about: in Marini and Bezzecchi, Uh fourth and fifth after the two days of testing overall. Uh, with Marini in fourth, Buzeki in fifth, I have to say, I I really like Buzeki and Marini. I, I think they are a very good squad. I'm um, you know it, it's it's good to see them both with VR forty six again. I didn't think there was any doubt that they would both still be there, and I, Marini and Bezecchi both stand out to me as riders. I know you've said Alex Marquez potentially could challenge for top independent, but I think it will be Marini or Bezecchi fighting for that spot. Jack, what are your thoughts on the Italian duo in the VR forty six squad?
2: Yeah, well, them um, guys from my top five are likely to win out on the guys under Ducati. Marini, obviously, his debut year was extremely, I wouldn't say slow, but he didn't perform. But he I should. think he, he's, when you look at all his career, he's always a slow burner. And now he's proving that he's understood the bike, he's understood everything. And now he's really starting to prove why he's he's, he's not there, could have, who his brother is, he's actually there because he's actually really fast. And Bozecchi, we know his talent from when his Proustal days in Moto three. Uh, and those two were so good as a team in twenty twenty on the Moto two bikes. So I've no doubt that they can definitely be the top independent team and they can a pair of them can win races. So especially with like Lucas Lucas consistency, like say Saxon Ring, where he was even out pacing at some at one stage. And you got Bezecchi; He's just really fast, really talented. So yeah, I reckon they've got a good chances of podiums and victories this season.
0: Yeah, Dawn, I'll go to you about this as well because it's no, I'm I'm not going to hide it. I think they are a very very exciting duo, and they are both insanely talented riders. Uh, your thoughts on Marini and Bezecchi as as a team and their chances this season after what we've seen at testing?
1: Yes, very very strong. And like Jack said with Luca, it must be so hard for him having a brother, Valentino Rossi, you know. But he's he's matured now and he's coming into his own. And I think they're both going to be a real force. And I think they're just going to be up there most weekends in MotoGP, definitely.
0: Yeah, it's a bit like Alex in a way as well, even yeah. the Cassini squad. They've both, Luca and Alex, they've both got these brothers who are gods in MotoGP when it comes to it with Valentino Rossi and Marc Marquez, nine and eight titles for, for the two of them. So there's obviously you know the upsides of what you can learn from your brother, who's so, you know, they have insanely talented brothers, it's no secret, but there's also the downside of you will always be compared to your brother, especially when it's Luca with the cult following that uh, Valentino has. But uh, let's move away from Ducati. We've talked about them for quite a bit now, Yamaha. There's big talking points coming from Yamaha, looked maybe like they were on a little bit of a back foot after day one, but then day two rolled around and Quattararo found some pace, put himself into the top three in third place behind Zarco and Bangyaya, just ahead of Marini and Buzeki, but they also bought, I know it's caused a lot of stir on social media, this really insane looking rear wing that, uh, a lot of people have compared to a Formula One style rear wing. Uh, Jack, what what did you make of this when you saw the pictures come out online on Twitter and Facebook and such?
2: Well, it, it first reminded me of the Aprilia rear wing they brought out Magello last season, but this is like so. Like just one of those like massive spoilers you could get on like your like hatchback for some strange reason, <laughs> like one of those massive ten foot. <laughs> Spoilers, but it's, obviously it's not that big. But it's just like, it's sort a of question like Yamaha, obviously they're, they're not the fast, even though they have developed the engine quite well, top speed is not their strong point, and the fact they, it's not like they're the ones, one of the ones who've gone so aero-heavy, it's really strange. But, you know, because, but maybe which just think like, you know, rear grip was always a problem Rossi was always talking about, and if they getting more rear downforce, they're going to get more rear grip. So it makes sense, but it's just you, you start like it's sort of like question like what's next? Like what's the next? Because usually you've got the cat, you'd expect the cat to come up with this sort of thing, but you know it's Yamaha and you had Aprilia coming out with the wings on the swing arm and all that kind of stuff. So I think people now might be I think people are worrying anyway what the aerodynamic situation was going to be, but I think we get we get into a stage where you know might come out with something even crazier mm. Dawn do you
0: think the aero work that is being put into MotoGP now is getting a bit too silly and more rules should be applied by Dorna to uh to stop what the riders and teams are allowed to actually run on their bikes because I know a lot of people have hated the wings for, for a bit because they're, they're getting a bit silly as well now but what do you think about where it's all going?
1: Yeah, I just think they should just stick to a normal-looking bike without the gadgets on. I think they look much better. And, you know, nobody's going to really know about the Yamaha until race day to see what... Yeah, okay, they do need something about the top-end speed on the straights, but, no, I I much prefer a nice-looking motorcycle just with its natural bits to it, (laughs) a bit old-fashioned, really.
0: Yeah, Jack, I'll ask you this. Do you seriously think Yamaha will run that wing
2: at Portimao for the race weekend? Or they'll I at least try it, do you think, in free practice? I reckon like they'll throw it out there in FP2 or the free practice before qualifying. They'll throw it out there just to try it. If Obviously, if the homologation allows it, allow them to just try it and they will, if they're not allowed to try it, I reckon they might not. Unless the data proves it's a really good, really good thing they won't implement it but i'm not expecting it but if they're allowed if they're allowed to test it or just try it for a session yeah sure
0: yeah because uh we mentioned it as well the the aprilia swing arm uh sort of aero piece that they've brought as well uh that looked i saw a journalist i can't remember who now it might have been matt oxley saying that they're not sure if that would be legal for them to run in the race but just makes you wonder why manufacturers bring these sort of aerodynamic devices that then potentially they can't use. Almost like, what what is the the point of developing something that maybe the rule book will then be like, no, actually that's not allowed. Or are they doing a bit like when the scoop was brought in in front of the the rear wheel and then they then proved that it was allowed to be there? Jack, see, so you look like you wanted to say something about the. Yeah, the area.
2: it's all the classic like Gigi Del is like the master of loopholes. Like you, if you read the rule book and you've got, and it, it's all about interpretation, if you can see something where it's like, it doesn't explicitly say this. So for example, the scoop, it said you can't have anything for aerodynamics, but you can use it for wet weather or cooling. So say if they, they made, they made it obviously for aerodynamics, but they proved it was for cooling so they could run it. So every other team could run it. And then it's the same with the ride out device. Never said nothing could be done about that. They did. Same thing with the front ride out device. Until that got banned because of safety. But it's all about mastering these loopholes in the rule book and then obviously these things get fired up and then decisions get made whether they can be chew- they can be legal or not.
0: I'll ask you the same question then. Uh should there be rules, stricter rules to shut down these loopholes against the arrow? Would you rather see just a sort of more standard old school looking MotoGP bike?
2: I think I'd rather just let there be no wings at all, and no devices and just a normal bike just because I think it produces better racing because I think all these wings are causing dirty air and like the CNF1 where it's getting hard to overtake just because the bikes are overheating and everything. But um, in terms of just general rule book, I think it's just too difficult to clamp down on everything because even then, when you create a new rule and new rules and you clamp down, the likes of Gigi Zilin, you will still find a loophole in there they, yeah. can ex- they can expose. So I don't think there's any solution to it really unless you just either open it and go, yeah, you can use whatever you want as long as it's in these parameters or you just ban them uh, entirely. Yeah, fair,
0: fair points there. And uh, I'm glad we, we talked about that So I know
2: Aero has been a
0: big debate over the last... Uh two years three years or so on social media uh from the sort of true fans of MotoGP who want just to see you know the bogs standard MotoGP gp bikes back i personally like the wings um they are getting a bit silly i will admit but when they first came in i thought they were very clever from gg and he you know he did something incredible and started almost an aero war in MotoGP. but now it has gone a little bit too far and it needs to be brought back a little bit i think but uh let's go back to testing after that conversation on aero and uh sprint race uh, sprint races uh honda they're one that i do want to talk about with uh hrc still seeming to be struggling uh 13th for mia 14th for marquez 15th for rins and nakagami down in 20th dawn what have you made on honda's Oh, I was going to say progress what have you made on Honda since the Sepang test cuz obviously they were looking for something at Portimão and it doesn't look like they have found it
1: no it doesn't look like they found it at all and the fact that they 13 14 15 together it does look like they're struggling in the, the same things and you can tell they've really got Honda've really got to sit down now and do something if they want to fight for the championship and get Marquez back up there at the front Something needs to change. I think they're running out of time now.
0: Yeah, just looking here, they, they are very close. Those three riders. What um, what do you think on on HRC and Honda? And are they going to find their way out of this, or will they potentially lose Mark Marquez in the coming years when his contract runs out?
2: They could, but uh, well, it's looking bad, but. I will not be surprised in the slightest if come race Day Mark Marquez is on the podium. I will not be surprised because I've, he's done this kind of thing before. I'm thinking like 2016 and 17 where he said the bike's terrible, it can't win and then come race weekend he's it's on the podium or he's winning. So I'm, I'm still hesitant to believe everything here. just gonna know what it can what can happen. But then I did read, I can't remember where I saw it, so apparently, it Jack, Jack Gorse mentioned it, that apparently, Honda have contacted Kalex, obviously they got the Calex wing on, like BMW did in Aragon. Apparently, Kalex have been asked to make a chassis for HRC. I'm not sure how true it is, though, but that is, if that is the levels I'm having to go to, it's pretty worrying. But, um, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, if Marquez... I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if Marquez is inside the top five come race day or race days.
0: Oh, no, yeah. I mean, we've seen it in the past. Mar- Marquez is very much uh, I will throw my all at this or it'll end up in the gravel trap sort of rider if, it's not, if the bike's not working how he wants it to. I'm thinking uh, 2015 as such when it wasn't as competitive as the Yamaha's. But uh, I'm not sure yet on Honda. Obviously, it could be a thing of... Marquez you know he does like a mind game I wouldn't be surprised if he is holding back a little bit but it does shock me to see that there isn't a singular Honda inside the top 10 and it does sort of show as well where we're at with MotoGP nowadays with an Aprilia a KTM a Yamaha and then a lot of Ducatis inside the top 10 obviously the Ducati the bike to be on but the likes of Aprilia, especially Dawn, they've come on leaps and bounds in the last, couples of se- last couple of couple seasons with Espargaro and Vinales up there, with both of them in 10th and 12th. And you've also got Oliveira and Ralph Fernandez now on uh, satellite Aprilia. What do you think of uh, the satellite and factory teams for Aprilia year?
1: I think they're going to have a strong year, definitely. And we were expecting Vinales to be a little bit higher in the testing. But he wasn't, but um, no, they're definitely going to be up there, definitely. Elash because he was so strong last year, and you'd think he'll probably have the same start again. And uh, he's actually had uh, arm surgery. Did you see that in social yep. media? Yeah, for fibrosis. So he'll uh, get that right ready for round one.
0: Yeah, Elashus Bargo obviously. Hopefully, should be all good for for round one. And Jack, I think it was you that mentioned last week Vinyales on top of the test you expected. Um, what did you make of Vinyales, especially in the test down in a, uh, twelfth place?
2: Well, day one resumed as normal. I think it was third place, something like that. And day mm, two, it bad. just whether well, it's just that April is not capable of doing one thirty seven nine. Which is a beyond ridiculous time by Paco. but um, all the Aprils are. Apart from Raoul, who didn't do a time attack, they're all together. So, you know, maybe that's where the Pillar currently is. Maybe that's where they want to be. Maybe they didn't do a time attack, or maybe they just did a sprint race run. You don't know, but they're, they're all together. Oliveira looks to have be adapted the same as as to the same speed as a row and Aspagro is the is the benchmark. He's the one who's developed that bike since twenty seventeen. So. I'd say for the RNF boys, if they are getting the treatment they have been promised, I can't see why all four Aprilias could be um, winners this season. Wow,
0: all four Aprilias, even Raul Fernandes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Aprilia sort of sat around the middle of the park at the moment. I do expect they will be up there on race day. I have no doubt that Alaysia Spargro, the ultimate screen biter, will put in a lap in qualifying, get himself up there on the grid and... He showed last year, he has race pace and he is a consistent rider when when the bike allows him to, when he's not having technical faults like he had at Metegui last year. But um, Oliveira as well, maybe a genius move on his part to jump ships from KTM to Aprilia. I know KTM were, were adamant at one point last year that they were trying to keep hold of Oliveira and it shows why. But KTM, I think the last manufacturer we have to talk about where Suzuki aren't about anymore in MotoGP, a bit weird to look for ktm because you have the usual brad binder up in ninth place pretty much about where he finishes in between like the fifth to the tenth place in racing and also then you look down you've got jack miller the new boy for ktm made the move over from factory ducati who i am excited to see on a ktm this year but he's done 17th just ahead of a gas gas factory racing tech free bike which does look amazing after they've revealed their livery It is a KTM, it's just branded Gas Gas of Paul Espargro in 18th and Augusto Fernandez, the only rookie on the grid for this year, down in 22nd. Jack, what have you thought of KTM and obviously their usual anomaly of
2: Brad Binder up towards in ninth? Yeah, I mean, Brad's he's you know his class rider, he's you just uh, you just wish that KTM would just be a little bit more consistent in especially qualifying because Brad's race pace nine times out of ten is probably worthy of a podium, but um I think it's good the fact that Brad's done a lap under the previous lap record because you know we ended obviously nowhere near the thirty seven nine but to be only uh you know, two tenths away from Zarco, that is a positive step. Because beforehand the KTM would have been that close to um to that so sort, of, sort of qualifying time Miller I feel like it, the problem he's having is just the the the, the chassis a different make and I think it's tra- I think it's a trellis frame I think it is so that takes some time to get used to and then you got the I was expecting Paul to be a bit faster but Fernandez I'm not surprised where he is you know. He is last out of that entire grid, but he's a rookie, so you still have to give, give him leeway for that. But I'm expecting, as the season progresses, Miller, more Miller understands the bike, understands the chassis, and how the bike works. I can't see why he can't be fighting where Binder is uh, come the second half of the season.
0: Yeah, Don, what have you. Uh made of of KTM because Jack's put it well there that Binder is this this really talented rider and maybe hasn't had the chance to show his full potential of MotoGP on a KTM because I fully believe if he was on a bike like a Ducati he would be up there every weekend and would be a very serious championship challenger what have what have you thought of of where KTM are at currently
1: yeah I I think they're in a good position and like with Miller I think he's going to do better, obviously, in the races, and it is a big change for him. And I think each season, Brad Minder gets a little bit further and a little bit further, and he's he's really happy within that team. He never seems to want to move. So I think he believes that they can win the championship one day and get there. So I, I think they're going to be a strong contender to be inside the definitely the top 10 and get, to get some podiums as well.
0: Yeah, Brad always pulls out a uh, a shock first or second place at some yeah. random race throughout, yeah. a, throughout a season. So yeah. I expect that again from Brad this year. Uh, Jack, anyone who underperformed for you at the Portimao Test heading into this season?
2: Unfortunately, after, well, Takanaka Garme, because he's not anywhere near the, the other Hondas, but I'm trying to think if he's been injured or anything.
0: I don't think he has. He did pick him oh, in Aragon. Is he still wrong. suffering
2: from Aragon, maybe?
0: Maybe. It's been a while since yeah. then, but he could maybe still feel have some yeah. side effects from that.
2: Apart from that, probably be, you look at Paul Spagrow, Expect expecting just be, I expect him to be the second KTM, given his experience on the bike. But then also, I'd say Frankie, I mean, he's 39 thirty-nine zero. that's, that's. I think that's the similar lap to be done in 2020. So. It just seems there's some I don't know what it is. But there's something lacking, but I, I just I just hope for Frankie he can find something to get back at the front.
0: Yeah, Dawn, uh, underperformers for you at the Portmell test.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, Frankie, I was really hoping he could perhaps you know sneak inside the top ten. Because like you say, I think his job's definitely on the line this year. And, I, you know, I really do like him. So I just hope he gets more luck as the season goes on. But I did want to see him inside the top 10.
0: Yeah, sadly, I think it's going to be a, a clean sweep here for for Morbidelli as the underperformer from that test. Uh, I really like Frankie as well. He's a very talented rider. We saw it in 2020 when he pushed mere all the way to the end of the season and was winning races towards the end on a year-old bike but ever since well ever since 2021 when he had rossi as his teammate it's just been a bit of a downward spiral for for morbidelli and hopefully gets his mojo back because from what i've seen of him in in media stuff he seems like a, a very good guy and a very fast rider so hopefully frankie can sort himself out but at the moment 19th isn't the place you want to be seeing Frankie, uh, Jack, over performer or standout rider from the test before we move on to BSP?
2: I'd go I'd go with uh, the VR46 boys because you know they're tops, they're the combined, a top satellite team, and they're both on GP22s, unlike uh, Zark who's on a GP23, so they're on the year old bike. I was that will help them because uh, well, it would definitely help Luca because he already had data from last season. And he'll know that bike inside and out, and he can develop on the settings he used last season to go even faster. Um, but it's all about just adapting to the new bike, just you know the improvements that bike had. But Yeah, I think they did a to be pairing in the top five on a year old bike. It's really good stuff.
0: Uh, Dawn, your standout or overperformer from the Portimao test?
1: Uh, I think Alex Marquez. I think switching, you know, to the Ducati and. Finishing 7th, yeah, he's my standout rider for the test.
0: My one's going to sound maybe a little bit weird to some people, but I'm going to go Quattararo as my standout because I really did not expect him to be up in 3rd place come the end of the Portimao test. I was thinking, you know, maybe about 8th would be, would be good to see Quattararo from how sort of not dire it looked for Yamaha, but, but how Yamaha they looked like there were struggles at Valencia, so Pang wasn't amazing really and it's good to see him up there and I hope he can bring the Yamaha to a fight with a Ducati but uh, hopefully it's not sort of bringing a knife to a gunfight really against those Ducatis this year because they look like they are going to be a dominant force. Uh, moving over to the British Superbike Championship which uh, had their first official test over in Navarra over the weekend and on Monday as well and it was a clean sweep for Kyle Ride in all the test sessions on board the OMG Racing Yamaha. Jack, picking up where uh, Brad Ray left off?
2: Yeah, I mean, from the moment he left pit lane to the moment he came in the box on on the fifth session, he didn't put a step wrong, apart from hitting a pigeon. But... um, (laughs) Uh, yeah, you just said how every time he's got the box, the bike's been perfect. He's had full of confidence. He's constantly talking good of his new crew chief, um, Shannon. So, yeah, he's looking like he's really confident. He's taken... You see what Brad did last season. And I'm sure if he can keep this confidence and just maintain this form, there's no reason why he can't be a champion come the end of the season. Yeah. Dawn, what have you thought of... Uh
0: car ride uh, his clean sweep at Navarra.
1: Oh, yeah, it's been really good. And like Jack said, he seems so much more full of confidence because I think he he dipped in confidence a bit in mid-season last year and he's just been doing everything he needs to do. I can't wait to see him sort of at the Donington Test to see how he performs against sort of like Jason O'Halloran, another Yamaha rider, to see if he's still going to be as strong. But he's doing everything right. And he's going to be a force to be reckoned with,
0: I think. Yeah, uh, we should mention the McCams. Uh, Yamaha boys weren't at Navara. And we uh, we mentioned last week that we weren't sure who was actually going to be out there. But some big name teams did go. Uh, OMG Racing out there. Honda Racing were out there. PBM, Ducati went. Tag Racing Honda were there with Hector Barbara, which I'm not too surprised about. Uh, the, Level, the new Lovell Kent Racing Honda team were over there with Danny Kent. Uh, Ma Train went, Oxford Products were out there and also another big team in the Cheshire Mouldings Kawasaki squad were out there. Uh, One rider that I think people were a bit surprised to see, but a welcome surprise, Leon Haslam was out in Navara on board a BMW. Dawn, were you uh, surprised to see the Pocket Rocket was out in the Navara on a BSB spec BMW? Yes.
1: Yeah, I was really, especially because he hasn't made an announcement yet. So, and, you know, social media was just a flood of like, who's he riding for? Who's he riding for? But he's still yet to announce something. But whether he's just going to ride for himself and perhaps he may be waiting for a sponsor to finalise something to actually the name of the team, we don't really know. But he did well. He came second in the overall combined time. So he certainly wasn't slow on it.
0: Yeah, Jack, the pocket rocket. I mean, I was happy to see Leon out there. I like Leon as a rider; very talented, a uh, very talented man. What uh, What were your thoughts when you saw Leon Haslam's name on there and the pictures of him on a BMW out
2: there? It doesn't surprise me because I love much. He loves to ride a bike, but when I saw him on a BMW, it's like there were rumors that he was going to go Cynetic. and if he was going to run his own team, it was going to be a Kawasaki. But saw him on a BMW, I was like, oh, okay, this is. And second like, oh, this is good. Like I'm sure FHO and Cinetic are all like looking on, like oh, the new BMW is good, and then the pictures come out and he's on a 2022 spec. So, well, you know, if Leon's second then he's on a B. I mean, though no, it's Navarra and it's in Spain and it's not quite a BSB circuit, but for a BMW to be in second place, it bodes well, especially when you compare it to the likes of World Superbikes. But I think good test for Leon. I'm sure maybe that, it it's just like trying to just confirm some details whether the BMW is the bike to go with. Or this season, and maybe just finalizing sponsorships and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, uh, would be good to see Leon on the grid again and maybe on a BMW. He looks competitive on one, so hopefully, we will get to see Leon out racing this year in BSB again. Uh, PBM looks strong after their uh, sort of lackluster season last year with their new, all new rider lineup of uh, Glenn Irwin, who makes a return to PBM. And Tommy Bridewell, who has moved from the Oxford Products, uh, Ducati team to the big boys of Poolburn Motorsport, uh, Jack, what what were your thoughts on PBM with a third and fourth overall after the three days of testing?
2: Well, it started off quite slow, but as it, as it progressed, he became the third team in sort of the in the ranking, and. Going off it, it's like Glenn was speaking highly, like he's got some major strengths and that will be part of like this top-end speed, the braking performance of that bike and the aerodynamics. But he did speak of some weaknesses and I reckon those weaknesses will be the similar issues that Josh and Tom were having last year of just natural re- um, edge grip. But I think what's going to help, what help them in this test is the fact there's a load of first gear corners so they could just get the bike stopped and gone again and that's what the Ducati likes. But you know, strong. They they both uh, Glenn's adapted to the V four well. Tommy's adapted to the uh, to the you know it's, no, it's the same Ducati, but you know it's Olin's suspension and there'll be some different parts of the bike. It's got used. Looks like he has got used to that. So so far it looks good. I'm just waiting for them, particularly around Silverstone, where I'm I'm expecting them to do pretty poorly, especially in terms of Glenn's standards from last season. But at Donington. I'm expecting them to be really strong, particularly in the last sector, but it's a good start for PBM.
0: Uh, Dawn, what have you made of PBM's massive change that they've done with their riders, of getting rid of Josh Brooks and Tom Sykes and going with Glenn Irwin and Tommy Bridewell?
1: I think as a team, it was something they needed to do. Something had to change. They've had two seasons that just, not where you expect PBM to be at all. So I think it was always going to be on the cards that if they didn't change both riders at least one. But yeah, I think the the new setup, I think it the they'll come on strong with it, especially towards the end of the season. And I think Tommy Bradwell likes a challenge and I think that's probably why he changed. He'd been with Motor for so long, that he wanted a fresh challenge, something to get his teeth into. Yeah, I think they'll do well.
0: Yeah, the uh, Ducati boys looking well as well, with Christian Iden making a return to Ducati bike with the uh, Motor Motocrapido squad replacing Tommy Bridewell. He finished 7th overall in the Test. I'm happy to see Christian back on the Ducati. Uh, I've, you know, I've said before in the past, I like Christian. I think he's a very good rider. I hope to see him fighting in the showdown this year after last year with Suzuki. Jack, what have you made on... Uh, Christian's return to a Ducati where he obviously was very fast at PBM.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's he's, he's done well. He's adapted back to the bike, it seems. I mean, obviously, he's he's running k tech suspension this time, which he hasn't run it since, like, 2019. He did have one crash, I believe. I I I can't remember which session that was, but I think he had a small crash. But apart from that, it's been pretty good. He's taken it steady, not taking, I think, too many risks and just made sure he's got back to the feeling of riding at the cat again understanding it the uh, strengths and weaknesses of the most torpedo compared to the PPM that he, he ran for two seasons and I'll, I'm expecting Christian again as I've said I'm not expecting anything at Silverstone but from then on I'm expecting you know good performances from all the catties, really
0: yeah Dawn Christian's returned to uh, a Ducati bike what have, what have you made on uh his sort of return and can he return to the form that he was at at PBM where really he was outperforming Josh Brooks when they were teammates?
1: Yeah, I, I think he can and I think it, the team and Christian have used this test as just a gelling thing to see how they all get on and how he's back on the bike on a Ducati and everything and to finish 7th, it's like it's really good and I think he will be in the showdown and fight for race wins definitely. It's good, nice little team to have around him as well
0: yeah hopefully christian can be up there i'd like to see it i know uh, a lot of people like christian and he seems to be a very popular bsb rider and uh, it'd be good to see him fighting up there again but uh, obviously it looks like the hondas have uh, brought strength in numbers almost this year with the amount of hondas that are on the grid now uh we've got andrew irwin who was on had two different bikes to play about with with tom Neave not being at the test due to an injury uh and also the likes of Danny Kent, who's now on a Honda. Andrew Irwin finished overall in fifth on his second bike, apparently. Danny Kent was sixth overall. And then you look down, and you've got Hector Barbero in tenth returning to, to BSB, and Charlie Nesbitt in eleventh on a Honda now for the, the Hawk Racing Squad. Uh Dawn, what did you think of we'll go we'll go with Danny Kent, where it's a, a new team that he's running with and uh where he's now on a Honda.
1: And that's a very strong performance for Danny. He like, you know, some new bike for him, new team. Very strong. Because, yeah, he, he's had a very quiet season last year. So I think he'll be hoping to make his mark this year. Definitely.
0: Jack, Danny Kemp, controversies in the past. Maybe could put it all behind him this year after uh, almost a, a bit of a. Uh, Suzuki was a great last year for for either of the riders of Eden or Kent. Could this be a a good year for for Danny on the Honda?
2: The no, HLC bike works well in um. Well, it's not HLC, but you know the Honda works yeah. well. Um, in BSB spec as we've seen with Glenn and Andrew over the past three seasons. Danny did finish strong last season, and with you know he's battling Brad Ray in the last race before. Losing out to um, I think it was Brooks right at the end, but yeah, there's no reason why Danny can't. He's got a podium before at Froxton, before he broke his leg. I think it was it was hip at Donington the round after, but yeah, if Danny can be fully fit and uh, the team, because it's a brand new team, if the team can understand the bike quickly enough, sure. but you know, top top eight, top tens, top five. You never know. Into BSB, that you well, it takes this one small thing you can go from being first to 15th, so uh, we just have to wait and see. But Danny's got potential, you know, he's Merit Free World Champion, so he's, he's got the talent to be at the front, so yeah, Danny, very talented rider, uh,
0: yeah, podium in BSB before in the past, he could be a dark horse for a showdown spot, maybe taking that sort of back I, end.
2: I'm, I, I, I think. I think he will because everyone's in the showdown this season, if you think about it.
0: Oh, God, I forgot they've changed it, haven't they? I keep forgetting they've changed all the BSB stuff now. Uh, yeah, oh, still need to get my head around all of that. <laughs> um, yeah, the other Hondas, Andrew Irwin, looking strong, could potentially do at Silverstone what uh, his brother did last year, Jack.
2: Yeah, there's no reason why not. We're trying. In twenty twenty, because twenty twenty is the benchmark. Twenty twenty, I think he was really quiet. I think that was probably just due to having all the incidents with Brooks and Vickers at that point. But no, Andrew is his old self. But because remember when he said I'm going to be like my old self, and then went and um, knocked off O'Halloran. But but if uh, Andrew can be his old self, but um, hopefully not have anyone end up in the gravel. Um, sure, there's no reason why Andrew can't do a double or a treble like he did at Donington all, all three years ago. But he's he's not tasted victory since Donington. Um, in I think that was round I'm trying, round thirteen of twenty twenty. So, but yeah, Honda's a good package. Andrew is a good rider. Definitely possible.
0: Yeah, he is. If he can keep himself under control and away from penalties, which we have yeah. seen yeah. the Irwin brothers get before yeah. in the past, Dawny he, he could be up there. He could be fighting out for, especially at Silverstone, like we said with his, with his brother. Yes. Like definitely. His brother is yeah,
1: definitely. I think it won't be a shock if he gets a race win at round one. Definitely. And it'd be good to see what Tom can do as well. with The second year with Honda when he's fit.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a big year for especially Tom Neve with last year where Glenn really did outperform Tom massively in his rookie year, which was sort of expected. Glenn's a veteran of BSB at this point and uh, had been on the Honda a while. So, yeah, Glenn over in Ducati now will be good to see. Hector Barbara. Uh, we sort of, we'll we we'll touch on him quickly. Uh, Spanish rider, probably been to Navarra before, probably ridden there. Uh, Quite a few times. Uh, him in tenth place. Dawn, uh, probably about where we expected a Spanish rider to be at a Spanish track.
1: Yes, definitely. It'll be interesting to see what he does at Donington, um, two weeks time. But yeah, that's where I expected him because he's got the track knowledge there, definitely.
2: Uh,
0: Jack, what have you thought of uh Hector Barbera and the Tag Racing Honda team?
2: Um, it was good top ten. So sort of what you'd expect for someone for a Spanish rider tag racing, it's just one of those... I, don't, I still don't know what to make of them because it, it's strange to think that despite the years they've had in the recent memory, they've actually almost won a, a title. So... You know the team's capable, but it's just sort of like maybe the rider they had at the time, Josh Brooks, maybe he just outperformed that bike beyond belief, who, who knows. But... I mean, I hope for the tag team they can produce something but just like since they've returned to the Honda it's not gone really well compared to how they were in a Yamaha so but you never know if Barber he's a former MotoGP uh, front row qualifier and top independent racer and 250 125 race winner so you know talent wise it's there just uh, obviously riding in GP is a lot different to BSB so I'm not expecting a lot from them this season, but maybe the likes of Donnington, sure, maybe he can pull out results out of nowhere.
0: Yeah. Uh, I Yeah, I do believe Barbara can pull out a result. He is talented, like Jack just said. Uh, we'll move to Jack Kennedy, who was there with the uh, Ma train Yamaha squad. Um, did a very good job, I thought, for, where, um, for, the, for the team making their way into... BSB this season after absolutely smoking everyone in Super Sport last year. Uh Dawn, what have you made of, of Kennedy's sort of return to uh, superbikes again after being so dominant in Super Sport the last couple of years?
1: Yeah, um, finishing eighth. I think that's a, a strong place for Jack. I think he did have a crash as well and wrecked the bike over the, the test as well, which probably didn't help them. But no, that, that's where he should be. And I think obviously it's going to be another learning year for him, but I'm excited to see what he can do, and I think he'll towards the end of the season he'll be fighting for podiums definitely.
0: Uh, Jack, what did you make of uh, of Kennedy back in Superbikes on a Yamaha? Looks like a competitive package to me.
2: Yeah, I mean if Yamaha were supporting the team, which I would have thought they would be, I think I think you just got to give Jack time because he's an amazing Super Sport rider, never really been given a proper chance at Superbikes. So I think if you just give him, but even if you just give him till next season, he's got the talent to be up there. So, yeah, I think you've just got to keep your eye on him. I think the Yamaha's the best bike to be on for him, considering how good he was on an R 6 so on an R one In theory, it's just got a bit more power and obviously a little bit different, but it will have a similar feel to it. So I think it's just about um, waiting and seeing how him and Martrein get on we know, we know how well him and the team gel. So think, I think, think uh, I've no doubt in my mind that Jack and the Mard team are capable of good results.
0: Yeah. I fully expect him to, to be up there, especially towards the end of the season, once he's adapted, uh, Ryan Vickers, now on a Yamaha, the OMG racing squad, uh, Brad Ray's replacement. Didn't have a, a great start to testing for BSB crashed out in, uh, on the first day. And, uh, didn't return to the track by the look of it, from uh, what I'm looking at of the the timesheets here. Jack, it almost uh, not a not a great first outing for for Ryan, but he's got time to to make up for this in other tests in the UK. Yeah,
2: yeah, you know, I think he he was do what he he was planning on and just ride first session was just to be learning the track and riding careful. And unfortunately, I think he just clipped the curb at the penultimate corner, and that was enough to send him flying. And he was able to go out in the second session, which is when he somehow managed to improve. And then from after a night's sleep, he woke up and he had a massive swelling on his knee and other places. So unfortunately for him, he had to sit trackside. But it's good the fact that Kyle was so fast, he picked up good data, which uh, Ryan can study and understand how Kyle was so fast and what the bike needs compared to the likes of a Kawasaki and a BM. But, you know, Ryan, uh, this... It's one thing we everyone's sort of talking about. He is extremely fast, there's no doubt about that, but his crashing record over the past four seasons has been quite substantial, So, and his injuries as well. So if he can just tone them down, you know, there's no reason why he can't be a championship contender.
0: Yeah, Dawn, Ryan Vickers, now in the OMG Racing Squad. What are you thinking of uh, his potential for, for this season in the team that won the title last year?
1: Yeah, I think it's a good mood for him and he was just unfortunate this weekend. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do at Donington. But yeah, there's no reason why he can't be a championship contender. And like you say, having Kyle and this team, that'd be a great teammate for him. So it could possibly be a good year for Ryan.
0: Yeah, I think uh, we'll see Ryan up there. And uh, I'll just uh, touch on three rookies, uh, Nesbitt and Todd, maybe not as much as... Uh, as, as Peary but three rookies to BSB this year for their first full season uh, Nesbitt 11th overall, uh, Peary in 13th and out of the BSB boys Davey Todd was 14th I uh, thought Nesbit had a, a very strong start on a, a Honda, made a, a show at Brands Hatch on a Suzuki last year and he put in some good results there, uh, looks like he's jelling to the Honda and uh, the Hawk Racing Squad still with them and doing well there uh, Peary over on the Lee Hardy racing Kawasaki after finishing runner-up in Super Sport last year and Davey Todd on the Paget's Honda again and he showed up at uh, Brands as well for them last year and looking strong all three of them Uh, Dawn which you know out of those three rookies they're all looking good do you think uh, any of them will maybe keep up with Kennedy towards the start and end of the season
1: yes I think possibly all three of them could and I think uh, Max Koop did really well. Um, yeah. He finished 18th, but they were actually only there for the first day of the test. I yeah. Don't know why that was. Um, so I think he could have progressed further had he been there for a little under two more days. So I think the rookies this year, they're going to be uh, quite strong.
0: Yeah, I uh, didn't even notice that uh, the FS3 boys went home after one day. Uh, yeah. Hence why I missed... Uh, Max out there, uh, Jack. What are your thoughts on the rookies' start to to life in BSB? And same thing, can they challenge Jack Kennedy?
2: I mean, yeah. I mean, Max Cook he's the. I think he's one of two riders this year who can break the youngest winner record. Unfortunately for for Max, he's got a. He's only got Silverstone to do that. So <laughs> might be a tough ask for him to break the uh, Jonathan Ray's record in that, but. You know, very. It's, it's just annoying for me, really, because you know you see how fast Max was. He was faster than the Jackson on the, on day one. So it's sort of like what could uh, what could well what could a pair of them do because of how fast um, the Cheshire mouldings FS3 Kawasaki was last season. But yeah, um, bit, you know, good you Yeah, we showed potential at Brands and Onington last season, so I'm not surprised he's completely gelled quite well to the Honda. Peary, I found, obviously, his um, interviews are always extremely entertaining, mm-hmm. and um, he's just sort of constantly talking about how he really wants to ride the bike like a super sport and take loads of corner speed and stuff, but he's, he's understanding more and more that he can't do that, and he's understanding the different lines and the different techniques he's having to use, but just, you can see he started from a 43.9, he ended up at a 40.1, so massive amounts of progress for him, and I can only see that continuing more and more, and... I think as long as brad can keep his um, his head cool and everything brad uh, could be one of the ones to keep out for and davy todd you know he, he's he knows a superbike he knows the honda really well it's just about paget's just understanding the the rules and the scx tire and all that kind of stuff because there's their superbikes have all been on dunlops or uh, metzlers so that's only one difference i think they'll have but I'm expecting Todd to, uh, once... I don't think he has any confident uh, issues. So I think once he gels with everything, he'll be you'll be there as well.
0: Yeah, I think we've got some very exciting people coming through into Superbikes this year that will be worth keeping an eye on. And uh, hopefully they will be up there and fighting definitely towards the end of the season. Uh, hopefully uh, more, more BSB testing to come in the future again. We say it every week. It seems like it's getting closer and closer as well. Now all the racing is is coming back. Silverstone, uh, twenty three days away. We are now from the opening round of the BSB season. Just over a week away from the start of the MotoGP season. It's all really coming into full swing. I'm just having a look at the uh the Moto Two live timing right now from Haref to see who is looking fast over there. Uh, Pedro Acosta or Peter, as he's called on this live timing screen for some reason for me. Um, top of the uh, top of the standings, Jack, I can imagine you're pretty happy to see uh, Peter Acosta as uh, <laughs> this is down as up, uh, up towards the, the top of this timing for this yeah. test.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's um, from what I've seen, he's he been like, not only just setting a fast lap time, but he's been consistently faster than everybody else. Um, we did see this last season, but so he's got the experience last season under his belt and he's probably the he's probably the favourite again this season he was favourite last season but I think after the first five rounds that dramatically changed but I think this season he'll be one of the favourites but looking like you got got um, currently got Lukas tulovic and Barry Baltus inside the top five um, yeah it's looking it's you know Herre is one of those tracks where everybody knows and Track conditions look really good, so this could be a very interesting Moto Two season because all these lap times are looking very interesting. You got Vietti down to twenty third; it's looking quite worrying there. You got um, Binder as the top, rookie still, I think.
0: Uh, yeah, I think so. Just looking down, yeah. Skinner down in a uh, down in nineteenth, just looking for where the yeah. Uh... The British boys are at the moment. So you got with
2: Sam Lowe in eight. eighth, Dixon fifteenth, and Skinner, Skinner in nineteenth.
0: It could be a good year for the the Brits in Moto Two. Just uh, mm-hmm. before we uh, before we wrap up today's episode, I think we could be on for a strong year with Sam staying with the Mark VDS squad. Uh, we'll get more into this next week as well. Jake with the Aspar team again, and Skinner with the American Racing team. I think, uh. Jack, I actually, don't I'll go to you first on this. The, the British boys there, you know, it could be an exciting and strong season for all three of them.
1: Oh, yes, definitely. And, I, you know, I'm really excited to see if Jake can can really do something this year. Sam, you just don't really know. Could he, you know, have any injuries or something? Or is he coming towards the end of his career? Um, But Skinner, that's going to be really exciting. You know, very talented, fast rider. I'm really excited to watch what he can do.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jack, I'll go to, to you for the same question, really. The British boys, Moto2, expectations this year for them? High, low? Skinner will be slightly different where he's a rookie making his turn onto a Moto2 bike. What are your thoughts on the I other think, two
2: of Jake and Sam? I think Jake will have the highest expectations because, you know, he was one of the he was really strong last season. He would just be, I think he was most thing he'll be focusing most on is making sure he doesn't make those same mistakes that he's made Made countless times last season. I think he's if he can get a race win, that might be all it takes for him to be a championship full-on championship contender. With Sam, simply just down to injuries. If he can stay injury free, we know he's more than capable of getting podiums, and we got you know, got two podiums last season. So before his injuries, so you no, know, well you got things on while he was injured as well. So no reason why Sam can't be at the front and Skinner. Obviously, a superbike is extremely different to a Moto2 bike, but you know, the more time you give him, the faster he'll get. And he's showing his talent in BSB, how fast he adapted to that thing. So, give him a, give him time. I can't see why he can't be inside the top 10 at, at, by the end of the season. Yeah, and uh, another Brit that I do want to bring up, just before I forget, uh, the
0: Moto3 boys have been testing out uh, in Heref as well the other day and Scott Ogden topped the second day of testing there and he he looked good uh, hopefully a, a strong year to come for, for Scott. Dawn I know we, we all spoke about it slightly before we started recording uh, Scott looks like maybe this year could be a massive, uh, well hopefully a, a step for him after his, his rookie season last year.
1: Yes definitely and I think a Bit like Jake Dixon, if um Scott could get possibly a win, I just think there'd be no stopping him then. I think it's just a little bit of a confidence thing with Scott, and you know, he's definitely a fast rider, but topping that um testing, I think that's that's going to really progressing forward for round one, definitely.
0: Yeah, Jack Willer, we'll know more after the weekend with the Moto 2 and Moto 3 test in Portamau, but Scott Ogden topping a session. Uh, topping a test session at Harf. What did you think of of seeing that after that happened?
2: Yeah, I think it was good for him, especially for confidence, because that's something he definitely seemed to have lacked. Uh, at the end of the season, I mean, in the wet, if it, if in the wet conditions, he knows his ability, and he proved that Mateggy. Um But I think he's. I think it, he's the problem he had last season. He did so well at the start that it that generated his downfall in the second half. And I think he got so desperate to maybe just try and get that top ten finished out he was so close to so many times, it just it made him lose confidence. But I think if he can just reset, have the um lav guys help him and just get him he's maybe, you've seen him during winter, he's been relentlessly training in Spain, cycling and doing runs and all this kind of stuff. So he's definitely physically ready. And um, if you can just keep focus and the team with one year under their belt, they can be a lot better. There's you know, hopefully he can get fine in that group that we know uh, he he can be. Yeah,
0: and uh, just before we uh we wrap up today, going back to the Moto Two one, Jack, you brought this to my attention before before we started recording. Ayagura isn't at the test, and it's not been to my knowledge at this point officially announced why he's not there. Talk has been that he's been injured. Uh. Potentially not a great start to the season for I if he has picked up potentially a, a major injury. I'm, I'm imagining. I'm imagining they're keeping their cards close to the, their chest at the uh, Idomitsu, uh, Honda Team Asia squad, uh, just in case he can show up at, at Port Jack, what do you, what do you think if I has picked up an injury before the start of the season because he was strong last year?
2: Yeah, it have be very frustrating because he's one of the championship favorites. You know he with his relentless consistency and speed and his talent as well, especially with the way he breaks and everything, you know, he's definitely one of the favorites to win the title. And if he's picked up just an injury of a winter, it's, I mean, if the fact they've stayed so quiet, it's just really strange. Cause maybe, mm-hmm. maybe they just don't want, maybe they don't want their opposition to know. Maybe they just don't physically know what the actual problem is. They don't know how long the recovery time is. But, it's just a whole unknown we might not even be just for all we know. We might have just mm-hmm. might just be some other problem that we don't we're not aware of, but uh yeah, it's it's very strange and it's sort of honestly we it could be worrying, but I just I just don't know.
0: Yeah, uh Dawn, before we before we wrap up, I've I'll, I'll throw this to you as well about I uh one of the championship favourites, potentially the favourite for the championship. Uh not at Heref potentially worrying or do you think we'll have to wait till the weekend to see it Portimao before people start panicking about where Ayagura will be this season?
1: Yeah I think it's probably just best to wait and see but the fact that the team haven't said anything it it just makes you really think of the worst and if he has got a massive injury or something how unfortunate to start you know the start of the season on such a back foot but the fact that the team don't say anything it just leads to so many different things you can think of. You know, could have just been a stomach bug for the day or something, you know. But now if they are quiet, you do sometimes think there's something worse that we, we might hear about. But we'll just have to wait and see, I think, for the next test.
0: Yeah, the uh the team are there, because some Kia Chantra is uh there currently, uh in Pit Lane at the moment. But uh Hopefully I is all good and we'll be there for the start of the season coming on strong last season and definitely one of the favorites. Yeah. Uh, I think we're at a good point to, uh, to wrap up today's episode and, uh, wait for this weekend's further testing from the Moto two and Moto three boys. And we'll also next week be talking about and making our season predictions for the Moto GP championship that, uh, starts in just over a week, exciting times for the world of bike racing. And, uh, the world for motor of bringing back the premier class of motorbike racing thanks for listening this week uh, look out on our social medias at Highside news for updates on next week's episode and promos of other news and stuff that is happening in the world of motorbike racing thank you very much for listening see you next week goodbye